1: And that's okay, we don't mind technology, but what we want to do is we want to worship God with our giving, and that's exciting to do. Shall we pray this morning? And when we pray, can you please be in agreement with me for the country of New Zealand? Okay, I, you know, I really, I, honestly, I don't even watch the news, I don't follow the news, but some things you can't help but see or know that are going on in this world, because uh, I'm not moved by what happens in this world, but we are called as a church to pray, And we pray for our country, and this morning I just want to pray for that country. Uh, There was a massive shooting at a mosque, or maybe one mosque over there. I believe 49 people uh, were killed. It's a very tragic event, very, very tragic. This world needs Jesus. This world needs the power of Jesus Christ manifesting itself in every country, in every place. So let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Father, we do, we have heavy hearts, heavy hearts for those in New Zealand this morning. Father, we lift them up to you. Father, encourage them, bring them hope. Father, our message this morning is on joy, and you say, how can we have joy when situations like this happen? And Lord, you remind us that we can have joy because of you, because of who you are. And what you've done. And so we lift this country up to you. We speak and pray the name of Jesus over this country. Father, so many families are hurting. Are crying out saying, where are you God? Where are you? What has happened? Father, meet them right where they are. Meet them today, right now. Whatever time it is over there. It may be evening, I don't know. But we just pray right now that you meet them. Father, it is never your will, never, ever your will to see this type of destruction. Your will is that none shall perish without knowing you. And so, Father, we just pray that this will be a reminder to us that the time is short. Your gospel is the good news. Give us courage to share it everywhere that we go. And Father, today this message that we have that you have given to us, I pray, Father, that you will just open our hearts, open our eyes, help us to see you and what you've done and who you are and your goodness, and that we can have joy in any circumstance. We thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, on a positive note... I did ask last week that some people start filling out some testimonies of what God has been doing supernaturally in and amongst among us, and we've talked about a couple different testimonies that have happened. A few people wrote them out on the connection card. I would encourage you to write testimonies that God is doing in your life on these connection cards. Put them in the bucket when it comes by, give them to an usher, give them to me, whatever, but I have one that I want to share with you. Uh, This morning says, during a church service, it was a Sunday morning, I was healed instantly of a stomach problem, instantly of a stomach problem that had been dealing with for a long time. After about a month, the symptoms tried to come back, but I said no. You see, in order to keep hold of our healing, the enemy tries to come and steal it says the enemy comes to steal that word, steal our healing. And so when we walk in health and healing, the enemy wants to come and try to steal it back. But this person says, no, this person is still healed, and it will never come back on me, ever. So you see, this testimony is written by someone who understands faith, who understands that I am going to continue to walk supernaturally in my healing, and I know what to do, and I know what to say against the enemy who's trying to come against me amen amen give the lord a hand for that praise god how many of you ready to continue our series called provision and harvest we amen come on how many of you are ready to continue our series on provision and harvest You see, God has provision for us in every area of our life. We talked about provision for our finances. We talked about provision for our health and our healing. We talked about provision for peace. How many have had a little extra peace recently? Man, I just, there's peace abounding, praise God. We talked a little bit about provision for patience. Now, you don't have to raise your hands (laughs) on this one. No spouses will say, yeah, were you here last week? What happened? (laughs) Provision for patience. And this morning, I want to talk about provision for joy. Provision for joy. And this morning, I want to talk about something, what joy is and what it's not, briefly. Joy is not happiness. Happiness. Church, joy is not happiness. We can be happy or we can be sad. We have, this is circumstantial whether we are happy or sad. It would be ridiculous for somebody in New Zealand that is going through this thing to walk around and somehow be happy. It makes the, No, we don't do that. But this is not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about happiness. There are some people that we know... And don't raise your hand because you know when I, what I'm going to say here. There are some people that are just more genuinely or generally happy than others. Yes, this is true. Sometimes opposites attract. So probably someone in a relationship, one of the two of you, is more happy normally than the other. But again, I'm not talking about personality, I'm not talking about how God has wired us and how he's made us. If you're not always a happy person running around smiling and joyful, it's okay. It's, this is just because God made you this way. You don't have to be ashamed or feel bad about it. But you cannot walk around without joy. This is not optional. You cannot walk around without joy. You can be the choleric or melancholy, I don't know what all these personality tests are and all these different things that are out there, but what I'm telling you is there is a joy that is available to each and every person who has called on the name of Jesus as Christ my Lord. There is a joy unspeakable that is available. In fact, the Bible says in Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Whoa, the joy becomes our strength. Are you kidding me? Can we get our heads wrapped around that for a second? That the joy of the Lord, whoa, whoa, not the joy of me or what I've done or my circumstance, it doesn't, no, the Bible does not say my circumstance dictates my joy. In fact, it tells us the exact opposite. It says that we should not let our circumstances dictate our joy, we cannot let them dictate our joy. We cannot do it. So the joy of the Lord is our strength. Where does the joy come from? The Lord. Are you serious? We can have joy unspeakable because of the Lord, because of Jesus and what he's done, and because who he is. This is where we can get joy from. It is not circumstantial. That is happiness, sadness, that's different. I'm not talking about that this morning. I'm talking about each and every one of us can have joy in our life. And if you don't have joy this morning, I want to show you this morning how you can leave here with joy unspeakable in your life. The scripture clearly shows us a couple things that we need to do in order to have that joy in our life. And I want to walk through that with you this morning. Are you guys ready for this? All right, here we go. First scripture I want to go to, man, I'm already skipping through all kinds of notes here. I want to go to uh, Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Go with me to Luke chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse 17. Remember the Lord had said, he kept speaking to me that there are messages that are going to come out of the fifth chapter of each of the Gospels, and then he said the fourth and the eighth chapter. And I was like, oh man, sometimes it's like there's there's a lot to do in here. There's a, lot, there's a lot of chapters to work with, and the Lord said, Luke chapter 4. And so I'm looking like, all right, Lord, what is in here? What is in here in Luke chapter 4? Starting with verse 17. This is Jesus. He is in the temple. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. He found the place where it was written. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he, our Father, has anointed Jesus. We also can have the anointing on us because of Jesus, of what he did. You see, church, Jesus is in the burden-busting business. You want to write something down this morning? Jesus is in the burden-busting business. Three B's. I didn't even plan that. It's not even my notes. This is good stuff. Three B's. Burden-busting business. What kind of burdens is he busting? Well, let's read through it. Here we go. Why? Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Jesus was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. If he is in the burden-busting business, then being poor is a burden that he came to bust. Being poor is a burden that he came to bust. Praise God. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Anybody ever been brokenhearted? Yes, that is a burden. But what Jesus came to do is to bust that burden. He came to bust those who are brokenhearted. To heal them. He came to proclaim liberty to the captives. Think of captivity as a burden, being captive to a sin, being captive in slavery to things in our life. That is a burden. But what Jesus came to do, his anointing that was on him came to replace that burden, to take care of that burden, to bust that burden, and so that we no longer have to live and walk in a bondage of slavery anymore. Because of what Jesus did on that cross, it is now available to each and every one of us to proclaim liberty to the captives, to recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. This is everything. This is listing out what Jesus came to do. This is all available to us to proclaim the acceptable year of of the Lord. This is the great exchange we'll call it. He came. This you think about the things that I've said broken-hearted, poor. This is the status of humanity without Jesus. Church, this is the status of humanity without Jesus. But when you put Jesus on top of this, you say, Jesus, what you did, your anointing, your burden-busting business anointing, and what you have come to do, now we no longer have to live in the humanity of these types of things. And you say, okay, well, he picked it up. He was referencing something from somewhere. Well, he was. The scripture he's referencing is in Isaiah 61, so let's go there. Isaiah 61. Starting in the first verse, a lot of this is going to repeat because this is what he was reading from in Luke. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to opening of the prison of those who were bound, thank you, Jesus, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And the day of vengeance of our God. But it goes on. You see, he read a portion of it, but it goes on. You see, church, there is more that Jesus came to do than what we listed. There is more out there that Jesus came to do than what was in Luke chapter 4. And the rest of it is in Isaiah 61. To comfort all who mourn. You think of mourning, that seems to be the opposite of joy. Jesus came to comfort those who mourn. And if you notice, this word mourn happens, it says like three different times in the next couple of scriptures. To comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion. And what did Jesus come to do? To give them beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. Whoa. Jesus came to bring Joy. He came, he doesn't say he came to fix every circumstance and take everything bad that'll ever happen to you and make it just vanish and disappear. No, 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 no. He brought the oil of joy for mourning. Church, what Jesus did now is available to us. The oil of joy is available to us. The garment of praise For the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Church, this morning, there is an oil of joy available. I'm going to show you in a couple minutes on how to get it, but there's an oil of joy that is available. Now, there's a lot of oils that go around in our house, okay? We have got onto this essential oil thing, okay? And I'm telling you, there's all kinds of oils happening in our house, mostly on a daily basis. I'm talking eucalyptus, I'm talking lemongrass, I'm talking lavender. How many love the lavender? Helps you relax, right? Some of people know what I'm talking about here. Yeah, tea tree, tea tree solves everything. Okay, you don't even need the essential oil book. You just have to say the word tea tree and start putting it on everything. And if it's a stomach or head problem, just say peppermint. Yeah, peppermint. So I always laugh. Somebody told me that said this story, and it's worth repeating because it's funny. Sometimes you don't know when you're doing the peppermint oil if it's actually helping your headache or just the amount of smell that's hitting your body has distracted you from the actual pain that you might be going through and you feel like you've been healed instantaneously by peppermint, okay? But I'm not talking about these essential oils. Church, I'm talking about the essential oil of joy. This is an oil better than anything you can buy online in any of those little buckets or those little, uh, those little glass bottles that you have. This is the oil of joy. This is available to us. In Psalm 92, it says this in verse 10. But my horn, you have exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. Church, this morning we can be anointed with fresh oil. An oil of joy that's so unspeakable that people do not understand it. They don't get it. They don't understand it because we do understand it because of what Jesus has done for us. The oil of joy available. So how are we going to do this? Number one, we have to realize that this oil is available. The first thing you have to do is realize that the oil is available. In Galatians 3, it talks about that Jesus has redeemed us from the curse. Jesus has redeemed us... From the curse, I'm going to keep saying it until I get a few more. Church, Jesus has redeemed us from the curse. We talked about the anointing that was on him, redeemed us from the curse of poverty, from broken from mourning. He has redeemed us from all of these things that are part of the curse. That's what humanity is. He has redeemed us from all these things. Life is full of challenges, but we can have joy because of what Jesus has done. He has made the great exchange. So the first thing you have to understand this morning is that Jesus has paid it all. He's made joy available for you and for me. Hebrews 1.9, it says, You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness, Therefore, God, your God has anointed you. Church, we have been anointed with the oil of gladness more than your companions. You see, I honestly don't know, I've said this before, how people do it without Jesus. In fact, I think maybe the statement is they don't do it without Jesus. This life is difficult. It is hard. There are things that happen that you don't even understand why they're happening and they become a burden. But we serve a burden-busting God. We serve a God who is in the business of burden-busting. And because of that, Because of that, we can be anointed with the oil of gladness more than our companions. So when we walk around, if we we can get a hold of this, we can walk around in a situation that happens and we cannot panic. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. That doesn't mean I'm going to jump around and be happy about something that happens. That would be ridiculous. But the joy of the Lord is can be our strength. The second thing we have to have is we have to have a relationship with Jesus. If you're here this morning and you have not made a commitment to have a personal relationship with Jesus, the oil is not available. The oil is not available. When you make Jesus the Lord of your life, His anointing has now done all of the burden busting that needs to happen and becomes available to those who have called on Him as Lord and Savior. So it's not good enough to just know that it's available. We have to say and make a commitment and make Jesus our Lord and Savior. Because if we don't, then this oil of gladness, this oil for joy, is not available to us. You say, well, I already have done that, but I still don't feel any joy. Well, what we have to realize is that with our relationship with Jesus, we have to understand our position with Christ. Christ means the anointed one. We have to understand that we are seated in heavenly realms with him. He is Jesus. He is our Lord. He is our God. And when we sit in heaven, in heavenly realms, we can be able to see the world differently. We begin to see the circumstances differently. When we are walking with Jesus day in and day out, when we are developing our relationship with him, when we're connected with him, he is drawing us up. He is drawing us up. And he gives us the ability to see "Whoa, whoa, 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 wait a second. Jesus, what you've done for me This is just circumstantial stuff. I can deal with this stuff now because I'm understanding where I'm seated with him. John 15 says this. talks about abiding with him. You know, this joy is one of the fruit of the Spirit. So if we want to have a fruit of the Spirit, we want to have this joy, we need to have a relationship with Jesus, and then we have to abide with him each and every day so oil is available this is great but in order to get it i have to make a relationship with jesus and make him lord of my life and then i have to abide with him i have to abide with him because it's a fruit and the fruit of the spirit grows and it grows the more we abide with him it says this in verse 5 it says i am the vine you are the branches he who abides in me and I in him, what, what happens? Bears much fruit. Bears much joy. How many of you want to bear more joy in our lives? Come on, church. We want to bear more joy in our lives. We have to abide in him. For without me, you can do nothing. How many have learned that lesson the hard way? Hallelujah. Without me, you could, man, you could try to get your own joy. Church, people do it. We, I do it. We all try to get our own joy somehow, some way, and we always come up short. We always come up short because it's not from him. It's not from him. But when we're abiding with him, when we're walking with him, when we're use, asking him for counsel each and every day, like we were saying earlier, he is, he is excavating. When we're abiding with him, It doesn't mean it's easy. It means he's beginning to prune. Ouch. Cutting things off. Excavating things out that we don't even know are there, that we don't even want exposed. And God exposes them and refines us and changes us because he wants the fruit to grow. We cannot have branches that are dead, not bringing life. They have to be cut off. They have to go in the name of Jesus. This is the season for like maple syrup, right? See, everybody plug it in their trees because there's that flow going. Well, you get better flow of the maple syrup. Well, it's not syrup yet, the sap. You get better flow of the sap when you get rid of the stuff that is sucking the sap out, that is not bringing life, not bringing fruit. So abiding is G- in, in Jesus, like, oh, this is so happy. This is so great. I can just abide in Jesus and my life is so happy, happy, happy. no. <laughs> No, 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 no. Sometimes abiding with Jesus is difficult. Difficult. But what his goal is, is to produce fruit. To produce fruit in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience. Abiding in him, walking in his light, like we talked about earlier. Walking in his light that exposes the darkness exposes the things in our life that need to be exposed and then excavates them out. Oh, and the longer you are abiding with Jesus, the deeper he tends to go, yeah? And first, that first surface is like, oh, yeah, 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 that's not too bad. You ever watch an excavating machine? Like takes that first level off of dirt? Nah, that's not, that was pretty easy. But then you start getting down deeper. Then you start hitting the rocks. Those things are difficult to get out but God wants him out because he knows you can bear more fruit in your life, more joy in your life when we can begin to remove the things that aren't producing life within us. Without me, you can do nothing. Verse six, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. Yikes. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. No, thank you. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, my words abide in you, why do we have to memorize scripture? Why do I have to read my Bible? Why do what, Pastor Jason, you say this all the time. Why? Because so we can abide in him. So his word abides on the inside of us. So his word is doing the work. Last week we talked about Jesus being tempted by the enemy. And what did he use? He spoke to the devil and he used the word. This is our weapon. This is our sword. We need to wield it like, we, like it's important because it is. The word, the word says it's sharper than a two-edged sword. The word abides in us. You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Hallelujah. Bearing much fruit. The fruit of joy is available to us if we abide in him. The next thing we have to do is we need to count. What? Count what? Count all my problems. Count what what, what are we counting? It says in James 1, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. We need to count it all joy when we fall into various trials. We have to be intentional about counting what is happening, understanding that this is not from God, these things that are happening, that are issues in our life are from the enemy, and we have to just put them in a category, and we just need to start counting them. If I asked you this morning to say, count how many people are in here, I want to know the exact number of people that are in here. You couldn't estimate. You couldn't guess. You couldn't say, well, well, there's about six people there, so if I multiply... No. If you were to count... And I asked you to count. You would have to be intentional. You'd have to say one, two, three, four. You have to be intentional. So what this means is what God's telling us here is there are trials and situations that will come, but we just have to count them. Just say, you know what? All right, Lord. This is not from you. This is from the enemy. I'm not going to be moved by this. I'm abiding in you. The word abides in me. But you know what? I will. I'll count these things that are in front of me, and I'm going to put them right where they are. And I'm going to speak the word of God over them. We count it joy. We have to be intentional about doing it. And when we are counting, it is not an emotional response. When trials happen in our life, the very first thing we typically do is have an emotional response to them. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Did you hear what happened? Did you hear what so-and-so said? Just a blah, 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 blah. Emotional response. Oh, there was a diagnosis that didn't line up with the word of God? Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to count that as joy because God's got a testimony on the other side. If we can begin to do that with the trials that happen in our life, just count them. Write them down somewhere on it say, you know what? This isn't of the Lord, but I'm going to write it down. Get it out of your head and put it on a piece of paper and say, I'm just going to write this trial down, and I'm going to put a circle around it, I'm going to put a mark through it, and I'm going to write a scripture verse that pertains to the burden-busting business that Jesus is in that is going to take care of this trial that is in my life, because I will walk with joy. You see, when we want to walk with joy, we have to be intentional about doing it. We cannot have an emotional response to things. We have to count it all joy. In 1 Peter 4, it says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. We should not be surprised when issues come up in our life. The Word of God is telling us right here, don't be surprised at this. Don't be surprised. It's going to happen. But we have to count it joy. We have to be intentional about what's happening in our life. As though some strange thing happened to you. I love that. But rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be, what? Glad with exceeding joy. We can be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, which each and every one of us will be or has been, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. You see, church, Jesus came to bring life and bring life abundantly. So we have to realize it's available. We have to make Jesus the Lord of our life and have a relationship with him. We have to count it. All joy when things begin to happen. And then we need to do two more things. We have to pray. We have to pray. You see, Jesus, when he was in the garden, he was about to face the absolute and utter separation from his father. From God, the separation. When he was going to go to the cross, when he was going to lay bare before his father to take the pain And the sin of sickness and death for you and for me. He was about to face this. You think there's some mourning going on? You think there's some challenges going on? Yes, he was fully God, but he was fully man, anointed. But he had a challenge here. We have challenges in front of us in our lives. And what do we do? This, look at what Jesus did. He prayed. Verse 39 in Matthew 26 says this. He went a little further, and he fell on his face, and he prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So it goes on a little bit further down in verse 44, and it says, And so he left them. Okay, so his disciples were sleeping. Whoops. We'll get into that another time. He went away again. He prayed for a third time, saying the same words. When he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? But look what he says here. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Notice the countenance difference. When he was praying, it's, Oh my goodness, Father, take this cup from me. Take this cup from me. This trial, this issue that I'm going, but what did the Lord, what did the Father do for Jesus? Gave him joy. Gave him joy. What does he say? He says, Whoa, arise, let's go. Let's do this now. Turn his mourning into joy. Turn his struggle into victory. This is what God wants to do for us. In Luke 22, regarding the same, uh, the same portion, portion of Scripture, it says that an angel appeared to him from heaven and strengthened him. When he was praying, he was strengthened. So what do, we, what do we need to do to have joy in our life? We need to pray. We need to commune with God, have a relationship with him, and say, Lord, I am going through a trial. I've counted it. I've written it down. I put a circle around it. I put a mark through it. I wrote the Scriptures on it. I'm speaking Scripture on it, but I need you. And he is faithful, faithful, faithful to provide that joy, that oil of joy. And you say, is there anything more I need to do? Yes, there's one more thing that you can do. One more thing you can do. And it's this, focus on the future. Focus on the future. You see, when Jesus was in the garden, the Lord reminded him, or Father reminded him, this is what I, this is what you're here for. This is what you're doing. This is why you're going through this. And what he did is he gave Jesus hope for the future. Hope for the future. And what hope does is it takes something that's in the future and it brings it to today. It brings it into the now, the here and the now. So when we are going through a trial, when we're going through life, if we can focus on the future. You see, we will be in heaven someday. We can walk in joy knowing that someday we will be in heaven. Hope is looking to something better that's in the future. You see, this oil of joy is a well that never runs out. And we can walk in it each and every day. Russ, if you want to come back up here, I want to end with two more scriptures here. I'm going to skip a little bit ahead on the PowerPoint to 2 Corinthians 4, starting in verse I'm going to start in verse 13. "And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus. Focusing on the future, focusing on what God has in store in the future, can allow us to walk in joy no matter the circumstance that we're facing today. And will present us with you for all things are for your sakes, that grace having spread through many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, do not lose heart. Church, do not lose heart. Even though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. If you truly thought about what was happening to your body each and every day as you were getting closer and closer and closer to the end of your life on this earth, you'd probably start to think kind of like some not-so-great thoughts. Like, this is not good. This is bad. This is not good. But what God has done for us, do not lose heart. Because even this outward man that is perishing, our inward man can be renewed with the oil of joy. Every single day can be renewed. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us far more exceedingly an eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at things which are seen, Church, we cannot look, if we want to walk in joy, you cannot look at the things that we we can see, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Church, we can focus on the future. We can focus on eternity with Him. We can abide with Him. And as we're abiding and we're counting the things that are going on, and we pray and say, Lord, give me a fresh, a fresh anointing of your oil of joy. And He is faithful to do it. And as he does it, he takes our eyes to the future for a hope that is before us, a calling that is before us, that allows us to have a joy each and every day that is unspeakable, that joy becomes our strength. do you have anything you want to add to this? I want to close with this scripture and I want to pray for you this morning. It says in Hebrews 12, it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance. Endurance. What does endurance mean? This means... Strength to finish the race. And we need the oil of joy to do that. The race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame that was sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus saw the end. Our hope comes when we see the future and what God has in store for our lives. That joy allowed Jesus to go to the cross. That joy that allowed our Savior to go to the cross is available for you and me. So, whatever situation you're faced with, whatever situation you're faced with, we have to recognize there is a joy that is available to us, an oil of joy, that is strong enough to take Jesus and say, I will go to the cross. He didn't call heaven down and angels down to stop this from happening. It was the joy for his journey. It was the provision for the journey that he was on.
2: talked about his presence and abiding in his presence. There is no other place. And the word this morning was just that. There's no other place where it can be found. It's in his presence. So when the Lord says, abide in me, it means every day and every moment of that day, he is our source is where we run when the trial comes and um I've often encouraged moms in particular it's so difficult when you open your eyes and the children are there and they're there right up until you, you close your eyes and they're there in the time in between as well and I've encouraged moms it's okay it's okay um don't feel condemned when you don't get that time that you used to get in the Word and that time that you used to be able to have in His presence. Don't feel condemned. But now I know, too, find that time. Talk to your husband. Talk to your mom. Talk to who is, whoever is your support. Talk to your children. Say, here, watch Elmo for these 30 minutes, and I'll give you a chocolate chip. If you'll leave me alone, I'm talking with Jesus, and it's important. Teach them teach them because the joy of the Lord is your strength and if the enemy can steal your joy if he can get you into sadness and depression if he can put that weight on your shoulders you know what he wants he wants to take your strength and I week after week he's just impressing upon me the generations the generations As you look to the future, it's generations. Your fight right now is for the generations to come after you, that they will walk in his ways, that they will abide with him. And so I address mom specifically because I remember a couple years ago, there was just a wonderful service, and Pastor Jim... Um, there was a word, and Pastor Jim called up anyone who was struggling with depression, and it was women. Not that men don't suffer, but that day, that's all I knew. That's all I could see. So women, just know the joy of the Lord is your strength, and we choose joy. In that moment where we bribe our children with chocolate chips and Elmo, PJ masks, whatever, we're choosing joy. I'm going to have my time with the Lord. I am going. To run to him in this moment because it's important. We choose to abide. And what struck me was Hebrews. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And in my notes, I wrote a love of righteousness. Because of that love of righteousness, God anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. This isn't about legalism, but it's about obedience. A love of righteousness. Yeah. Saying no to rebellion. No to that little bit of joy you get when you ruffle people's feathers. I know nothing about this. A love of righteousness. Yeah. And the Lord, therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. He is our source. He is the source.
1: Church, honestly, I know what time it is, but can I tell you that I don't care? I really don't. If you need to leave for some reason, you can. But I don't want anybody to leave Without the opportunity to come up here and get prayer this morning. If you're there and saying, I need someone to pray with me quickly and agree with me for joy unspeakable in my life, for that oil of joy to run over me, I truly believe when you come up here, we will quickly lay hands on you and we will say a quick prayer with you. And that oil, of joy, that anointing will be manifested in your life this morning. I said this morning, I don't want you to leave here without that joy being available to you. So if that's you this morning, I just want you to come up here. Just make a line up here. We'll do it quickly. Again, if you have to leave, I get that. But if that's you this morning, I don't care if it's one person or 20 people, just come up here real quick. I want to pray with you. Thank you, Father. Lord, you are so good. You are so good. Your presence here. Thank you, Father. The oil of joy available. Changing lives. Thank you, changing lives. The burden-busting business is being done this morning. Thank you,
0: Jesus. We
1: thank you, Father.
2: Father, we thank you for all that you're doing and all that you've done.
1: Mm.
2: And we receive. Yes, Lord. And we hold fast to the word that you have given. That's right. Father, we worship you and we thank you. Thank you, Lord. And in Jesus' name we pray.
1: Mm. Amen. Amen. Go
2: forth in joy. Hold fast to all that God has promised. Hold fast to the word that the Lord has given. Rejoice. Rejoice in him
1: and be blessed. Amen. All right, guys, you are dismissed. A little later than normal, but that's okay. That's okay. Amen.
0: Thank you for being a part of today's Faith Communications broadcast of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. If you do not currently have a church home, you are invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. Erie Christian Fellowship is located at 5900 Saratania Road, directly across from the Walnut Creek Middle School. You'll find us on the web at www.ecfchurch.org, where you may sign up to receive our monthly faith communications newsletter. Again, thanks for joining us today, and always remember 2 Corinthians 5-7 that declares, For we walk by faith, not by sight.